Welcome back to another season of Capsule Rx Podcast. I'm super excited that this year we'll be having some, we'll be adding some new things to the podcast and um, we'll definitely be making some new changes. So just to let y'all know, on Mondays we'll be keeping everything the same. We'll still be releasing our episodes um, on the career, about the profession, different things like that. And then on Tuesdays for our Teach Back Tuesdays, We'll be doing um, some new things this year. So whether it be a infographic, a YouTube video, or just a podcast episode, a very brief episode, probably maximum 10 minutes, or we can do all three, right? We can combine all three and we'll kind of just focus on either like guideline updates, uh, maybe a new drug that just came out, um, or maybe just some some medications that we all kind of know about, but we kind of want to talk about some some counseling points or go more in depth about it. So tune in on Tuesdays for our Teach Back Tuesdays. We'll be kind of going in depth um, on either drugs, disease states, or guideline updates. And then Wednesdays will now be our Self Care Wednesdays. So you can tune into our new Instagram account at new underscore capsule rx podcast, where we'll be posting some things to kind of check in. Um, with all of our fans and, and followers, all of you guys, uh, we just want to kind of check in, make sure that we're also taking care of ourselves, right? A lot of times we put our um, our patients and our family first and our friends, and we just wanted to make sure that uh, we're able to check in with all of you and see if there's anything that we can do to help you guys out, okay? And then Thursdays, um, we'll keep everything the same on that, test your knowledge Thursdays. So we'll continue to post those NAPLEX-related questions on Instagram, on our story. Um, so that way you guys can kind of go ahead and go in there, um, test your knowledge, and see um, if if you're prepared for the NAPLEX. Or if you just want to go in there and see if you remember some of the things while studying for the NAPLEX, go ahead and check it out. Um, at new underscore capsule RX podcast, Thursdays we'll be posting on our story uh, those those test questions. And then last but not least, Friday will now be um, Fun Fact Friday. So we'll be posting on Fridays um, basically any new content that we can kind of find out. Maybe it's a fun fact or maybe it's just a fact about pharmacy. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that are going on. So maybe there's a new legislation, a new law that's passed. Maybe um, has something to do with student loans, you know, different things like that. So we'll just be really giving you some facts on Fridays on some new things that are going on within the profession just to help everybody stay up to date because we know how challenging it is with everything that's going on for everybody to always be privy to the new information that's out there. So we're going to start providing that content for you guys. So you can go ahead and check out our Instagram page. Um, you can check out our TikTok um and if you have any questions you know always feel free to reach out to us and then of course here on the podcast we'll always have some information for you guys and also before i forget i want to give a big shout out to noel who's a christian rap artist who helped prepare some new beats for us so the new beat that you guys just listened to um on the introduction for this episode and some of the featuring or I should say some of the upcoming episodes will be by Noel. So thank you so much for creating the beat. I greatly appreciate it. Um, wanted to have some new things for 2023, so couldn't have done that without you. Um, with all that being said, let's get started with today's episode. Thank you, guys.
Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo, and I'm honored to announce our guest today. He's another member of the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, class of 2021, um, where we we had a lot of moments together, a lot of memories, and he's doing some big things. So I had to invite him on. You can definitely check him out on LinkedIn. This man's always posting something great, <laughs> something new, a new accomplishment, new achievement. So everybody that's listening, please welcome Dr. Elias Nazario. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I've been so hyped to join the podcast. Like anytime, like I see any of my buddies show up, I'm like, man, I hope, I hope Jovan calls me next. And uh, when he <laughs> me up, I was like, I'm glad to be on. Yeah. George actually said the same thing. So um, I'm glad I'm, I'm able to make my rounds and invite all of you on. And what's crazy is I've actually always wanted you on. I wanted you on when, when we were still in school. Yeah. We just, that's what I remember. Time, yeah. yeah. Time, yeah, time yeah, just, time just didn't work out for us. But now um, we have the opportunity to have you on. You're doing incredible things with Publix right now. And I felt this would be a great opportunity to kind of talk about how to attain a job out of school, um, like how to get the job while you're still in school and kind of that steps to becoming a manager um, since you did that relatively quickly. So to start off, can I please have you provide a brief introduction about yourself to our audience today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so as Joven said, I graduated uh, with uh, the College of Pharmacy at UF back in 2021. Uh, throughout all of school, I was pretty involved. I had a lot of uh, position in organizations, and I also tried to maintain a, a job while I was working, so um, while I was at school. So um, I was at Publix the entire time as an intern. Previously, I had actually started with Publix back in 2009, so I was a bag boy at 14 years old. Then I went to cashier, worked on customer service, then I switched to tech, then to intern, then floater, and here I am at assistant pharmacy manager. So a uh, bit of a journey, but I've always got, I got Publix to my blood and my parents met at Publix. So it's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty nuts, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm happy where I, it, it's, I'm very happy to be where I'm at. It's, it's a great company to work for. And uh, I think that all the, the things that I've worked to really help me get to where I'm at now. So definitely, definitely. And it's, it's nice to, to know people are nice to hear pharmacists give retail a good reputation like you're definitely one of those people me knowing you personally and also professionally but not only that but you actually really love what you do you know and it's it's tough because I feel retail gets such a bad rep but I'm sure some people listening today they were thinking about doing retail I'm sure you're gonna kind of nudge them in that direction yeah, uh absolutely. just because just because your positive energy and how great of a person you are so to kind of start off in your opinion what is the best way to set yourself up with a retail job right out of school? And it's, it's of course going to sound really cliche, but you got to get your foot in the door. Like I, I really, at this point in the in age, like I think that you really have to have been an intern or started as a tech at a, at a company, especially if you choose, to, if you choose to go in the retail route and you want to go to a specific company, you definitely have to be, getting your foot in the door or like talking to people to try to become an intern there. Um, I think at this point uh, you may be able to get by, by getting a rotation there, making a good impression. But realistically, if you want to have the choice of where you want to work, um, you definitely have to be uh, working there already. 
So, I mean, I, I think that there's still opportunity for people even in their fourth year to, you know, start looking into getting their job there. But uh, it, it's pretty hard to go from having no job experience in retail world and, you know, applying for a job. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people will be going the route of residency, especially during school. And maybe they, because they're going that route, they completely rule out pharmacy, uh, retail. And I think that you definitely don't want to do that. Uh, I think some pharmacies are pretty open to having you work like maybe once a week and, you know, explore that option. I think realistically, if you just cross off pharmacy uh, retail or, and in also the inverse, if you're all retail and you cross off um, residency, awesome. yeah. you're really just limiting yourself there. Um, one of my, two of my closest friends, they were retail all the way. And then they, you know, went to residency at the last second um, and they love it. So it really does hurt your chances to narrow yourself down. So just being very open to all fields is really going to help. Okay. So definitely being open-minded um, to the different fields and through that, try to get opportunities, whether maybe it's like a summer internship or um, if you're able to get a, a full-on internship part-time, try to get those in while you're still in pharmacy school to help right. secure the job afterwards. Yeah. So if you weren't able to do that, right, maybe you are that person that you really focused on, hey, I know I want to do the hospital. That's my thing. And then you know what? I have a change of heart fourth year. I worked as a pharmacy intern at the hospital. I always did the hospital, but you're thinking retail. How do you think they could get that position? Or if maybe they were thinking the hospital and maybe it didn't work out for them, they didn't match, they did the scramble, they didn't, you know, they weren't able to get into a program. So they're trying to do retail as a backup. How do you think those individuals can kind of secure a job? So I think um, you're definitely going to want to be able to be in contact with supervisors, which is very limited. Like you're going to be limited in that because you don't know who these supervisors are. So mm -hmm. maybe having a friend who works there, see if they can provide you the email to the supervisor. Um, I had a student uh, from Gainesville reach out to me. Uh, she also did not have a job at all, but she had worked at Publix before. Uh, she reached out to me and asked me how she can not only get into Publix Pharmacy, but get into uh, Jacksonville, she, you know, a division she's mm -hmm. never really lived in. She lived in, uh, she was going to Gainesville for a while. Um, and I provided her with the email. The, a lot of these supervisors, they tend to be really open-minded to these, like, um, to, you know, people perspective looking for jobs, especially, you know, coming from uh, fresh out of school. So they, they know that people are eager. Those are the people that they tend to target um, and really would like to see, you know, have a passion for it. So yeah. just reaching out to them and maybe showing your uh, desire to work for retail. Like, again, maybe it wasn't your first choice, but showing that, you know, you, you could be someone who would provide a lot of extra things that maybe someone else wouldn't. So promoting yourself in that way, like showing that you know about retail. For example, I think right now we're like highlighting vaccines. So if you talked about that, I think supervisors might be interested in that, like how you would promote vaccines or how you would um, showcase your skills in uh, providing knowledge to the community about how vaccines work. Like just things like that. I think that that would be your way to make yourself stand out from say some random intern who would email a supervisor. Yeah. So like some community outreach program, if you can come up with something like that, right. um, being very involved with vaccines, being willing to do 
to do the yeah, vaccines, yeah. Um, right. of course, because, you know, uh, I've heard rumors how hectic it got in the pharmacy uh, when the COVID-19 vaccines first came out. Right. Um, so really just being proactive would be the best way for anybody that's listening. Reach out. And that's why they they say pharmacy is a small world. You never know who your connection knows. Right. Right. So don't don't be afraid to reach out to somebody, you know, and ask them, hey, do you know somebody or hey, do you think you can get me a job here? Maybe an interview, things like that, because you never know who those people, you know, actually know. So that's why net- networking is key. So if there's anything to take away. I'm always going to say this. Anybody that's in farms who always tell you this. Networking is key. So you got to net. You have to have to network. You have to meet people. You have to engage in conversations and keep in touch with the different mentors, supervisors, preceptors that you have, because you never know who they might know um, that can help you along your career. When do you recommend for fourth year pharmacy students to start applying for jobs? I recently did an episode on this. And to me, um, I was speaking more specifically to residents through my experience. And I felt like the best time to start was in January. So for people who are just pharmacy students, fourth year pharmacy students, when do you think is the best time for them to apply? So I'll, I'll speak to Publix because every chain and every supervisor is going to be different, but mm-hmm. essentially the way that Publix will work is they look at all their interns who are within and they will, um, once they get around to their hiring process, they'll reach out to them, to all of the interns within a certain district and they will interview each of them. So just being an intern um, there that you'll likely get an interview um, with your supervisor. And from there, like they'll start narrowing it down. So that's why if you're an intern who's planning to move somewhere, um, I definitely recommend you do that as soon as you possibly can. So I know a lot of students, for example, um, some of my interns, they're working with me because they go to the Jacksonville campus at UF but they don't plan to live here. So they're, they're planning to maybe one of my interns is planning to live in Fort Lauderdale. So I said, look, I, he's, he has most of his rotations down there. And I, I recommend it to him to transfer the second that he can, just so that he can put his foot in the door and get into that hiring mm. process. So, um, that is even, a great tip. That yeah, is that's, great. That's, that's, that's a gem right there. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Before I moved to Jacksonville, I was initially going to transfer to Orlando because that's where I thought I was going to live. And sure enough, that sort of changed, but yeah. um, I think that getting yourself transferred into whatever district you want to go to as soon as you can is going to be very much important because that also allows you for more time to uh, show yourself what you can do to your supervisor there. Realistically, if you're trying to apply, if you don't have a, a job uh, with a uh, pharmacy and you want to eventually apply, I would suspect that maybe around match day or around that time, that would definitely be a very opportune time. Um, I know back in the past, it was almost taboo to mention that you were interested in residency during your retail interview because you would immediately get cut off because if you were even prospectively thinking about a residency, you were a risk to leave. I think nowadays, I think supervisors are understanding that a lot of people have two options. So it's definitely not something that will rule you out. But there's possible spots that will open up once they match. So they the supervisors aware and they may hold like open spots in mm-hmm. case. And typically those will go to the interns that may be like the next in line, but putting your hat in the race around that time, I think that would be a good option. It would likely again, be a little bit further down the line as say if like an intern who from within is like next on the list, but 
um, I think that that wouldn't be a bad idea at the very least. If you know, especially if you're in a lesser busy area, like I think mm-hmm. like Ocala or um, not like a big city, you may be better off uh, applying around that time because they may have a lot more limited pool there. So definitely think, consider transferring to the area that you would like to work in because that'll help you get that foot in the door, which makes perfect sense. And then I like how you mentioned around match day because there could be those that are kind of teetering on the fence. And we know some people who were and, and they ended up going the residency route. And then that opened up job positions for pharmacists um, within the company. So that's another great point. I want to say match day is usually in March. Uh, I can't think of the exact yeah, time. I think frame. so. Like it's typically around, like, I, I think it's like it's end of February, February, beginning of March or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I can't, I can't remember exactly either, but it's most likely probably like the second or maybe third week of March um, will be match day. And so that would be another great time to kind of apply because that's when the pool could get a little bit smaller. Um as far as the amount of people that are interested in a job, because some people now have gotten into the, the residency program that they that they want. And so that's the route that they're going. So that, that creates opportunities for pharmacists that are looking to work into retail. Yeah. And maybe so someone who point. didn't get an interview, like they now are looking into getting a residency at that point. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, your potential competition may not also be there either. So, exactly. you know, it, it's just there's definitely going to be a smaller pool after match day. So I think that's a good time. Being a recent pharmacy graduate, how did you kind of transition from pharmacy student to pharmacist? That that was probably the hardest part of my journey. I'll, I'll definitely say that. Like imposter syndrome. I know you you had um, it was Alan right Alex, who came yep. in. Yeah, Alex. Alex yeah, came in and talked about imposter syndrome. Like yeah. it, that was very real. It it was surreal to be going into a pharmacy and like being like you know I I was 26 year old kid and i'm telling Mm -hmm. all of these adults of what to do i'm like i'm the one making the call half the time so um that was definitely the biggest sort of hurdle i had to go through um and there was also the aspect of trying to be like the cool boss like i think i saw like videos online of like hey i i want to make sure that all all of my employees like me so i'm like trying to do what they want and like also like like say no to the man who are telling me to do all these things I don't want to do but um I found that being the cool boss isn't the most important thing I think someone that your team appreciates and respects I ended up learning that was a lot more valuable um and I can still you know be the cool guy who you know I can chat with them still but trying to find that balance was a hard thing to do towards the beginning because I was just kind of letting people do whatever they wanted and that was that was hard because uh, I kind of yeah. had to either stay af- after to take care of things that I just let slide or whatever it was. The pharmacist I worked with, I was her intern. Her name was Luba. She was a big inspiration for me on that. When I was promoted, I was promoted to be her partner. So that, that was crazy how that worked. It just happened to be that way. And she knew that that was my biggest weakness when I was an intern. So whenever an associate was acting out or just, you know, talking and not working, she would immediately kind of say, hey, you go deal with this. Like, you'd be the one, pull them aside and talk to them about it because she knew that I would struggle with it. So eventually she would teach me to find how to address issues with people. And now I would consider it my strength, like trying to find a way how to talk to people and still have them like you. I I, I was terrified, but I think now now I, I can handle drama, so to speak. And there's definitely always some random drama yeah 
it's it's a workplace. There's always right. gonna be something coming up. Right. So and and I I know exactly what you mean. Um, because now it's you know you're stepping into a another tier. You know you're no right. longer towards the bottom of the totem pole. Now you're stepping into one of the higher um positions, and it's like people are looking up to you. And they're probably all older than you. <laughs> you're the baby. You're the baby in the pharmacy. Um, but yet you're the one who has to be the leader and has to direct everybody. And everybody's looking at you. And if you don't keep them kind of in check or, you know, hold everybody accountable, I should say, then it's going to fall on you at the end of the day to do everything. And then you're going, you know, you're going to be working late, late hours and whatnot, when it's really these things should be done by by them. That's why they have been employed by the company to execute certain jobs. So I can definitely see that. So imposter syndrome, kind of being the cool boss. Anything else you would kind of say, or some of the challenges you face? Kind of. I mean, definitely also finding my techniques. Like I, I feel like um, Publix does a really good job of trying to prepare you from that transition of intern to pharmacist. Like you have a graduate intern period while you get licensed, and they're really trying to send you around to see how other pharmacists do things, and they'll also try to um gauge what you know and they'll let the supervisor know and try to uh, address issues that you may have in your development you also have like a training day where they'll send you off and you can learn a little bit more about actual pharmacist stuff so they don't really just throw you out into the to the sharks and you have to learn everything on your first day they they, they definitely try to ease you in but even then once you're alone I, I felt like I struggled to find my pace I struggled to find how I'm going to address problems, uh, how I'm going to prioritize things. So once I started working more and more and I realized what was working, what was sticking, um, I definitely became a lot easier. But I would say the first month or two were some of the hardest um, time. And so you mentioned mentorship. And then not only that, but also some live practice. Is there anything else you kind of use to help you become like a better leader, better manager, or help you feel comfortable um, transitioning from a student to a pharmacist? Well, I think I had the luxury of being able to lean on my peers. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, one of the the best pharmacists I know, no bias, Larissa, um, who's my girlfriend, was also a pharmacist for Publix. So Mm -hmm. um, we were able to kind of lean on each other. If I didn't know anything, I was able to call her. And a lot of the students here at Jacksonville who got promoted to, um, who, who, who became pharmacists here, they were also floating around and they, you know, every now and then they would struggle and they would reach out. We even had a group chat where if we were struggling or having a difficult time one day, we could, uh, Hey, I'm at this store and I need some help or, Hey, this is a weird thing. I've never seen this before. What should I do? Um, so I was able to lean on my classmates. I was able to, whenever I was floating around as a graduate intern, I would talk to these pharmacists who I'd never worked with before. And I would tell them, yeah, I'm going to take my test this day. I'm going to be a pharmacist. And they're like, Hey, whenever you have a problem, reach out to me. So definitely not only being able to reach out to your supervisor or anything, being able to reach out to your peers, like that was a game changer. There were times where I was absolutely swamped. I had call outs and I was able to call people to like, Hey, I, I just need some help on my cues. Can you help me out? And that really made me like a lot less stressed and able to handle issues better. And I still do that to this day. If ever I'm like struggling, I think that I'm, I'm able to lean on my friends. I'm able to lean on 
neighborhood pharmacists and they are usually quick to help. Like if, even if they're kind of swamped, they'll know that, Hey, this person needs a hand at some point in the day. So that was an invaluable resource that um, I was, had the privilege of having. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, you know, what we kind of talked about that networking, that's key. Yeah. The, the friends you can make the peers um, that are within your own profession, maybe they come across something that you haven't come across. Um, maybe, you know, they're, their store is a little bit slow versus yours. You exactly. have a couple call outs. You have a lot of high volume. It's a high volume day for you. And, you know, you can reach out to them and ask them to help with your queue. And that way it's not all the stress belongs on you. And I think that's, that was probably one of the things for myself was like realizing it's not all on me. I feel like in school, you take the test alone. You do so many things alone that you think that it has to be just you, but then realizing you have a team and being able to trust your team or trust others um, that you just met to be able to help you and assist you in all the daily tasks that you need to complete. Um, and that that's definitely some, some tough challenges. And I, and I appreciate you for being transparent and kind of sharing like the struggles that you face. Cause a lot of times I, I'm sure you felt this way too. Like I, I look at um, Dr. Katie Vogel Anderson. I look at um, Dr. Miller, like so, some of the professors we had at UF and I'm just like, wow, you guys have done so many amazing things. But then when you get to talk to them, sometimes they'll tell you the struggles and, and tribulations that they faced. But you never think that. You just see the outcome. Right. You I'm, don't like, see... I'm always thinking, like, how do they have it all together? You know? Yes, like, how exactly. How is it that they're, like, so baller at what they do? And, mm-hmm. and... 100%. It's like they have the perfect time management. They have the perfect life. Like, how do they do all this? And then once you speak with them, you kind of realize, like, oh, you had issues. Like, you worked on this. You... Um, did all these different things to help improve this aspect. This was a weakness of yours. And you realize that, oh, they didn't come into pharmacy complete. Like this is something that they've worked at every day and they still continue to work at to be successful within their profession. And that's something that I, um, I'm really glad you kind of sh- were willing to share with, share with our audience, um, with the audience today, just because you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to rely on others and it is okay. All right. Yeah. Do not I feel mean, bad for doing that. Yeah. Like I, I kind of came like I was telling myself is like at the very beginning of every job, I've always felt like so stupid or like, Hey, I'm, I'm so dumb. And right. I, I, I think that that's natural. And I, I, I kept trying to, I was beating myself up. And when things were kind of really getting hard in the beginning, when I was being a floater and like right when I became a floater, like a booster had just come out, like they had just announced one of the boosters. So it was absolutely mayhem swamped yeah so yeah. i'm having to learn I'm, I'm having to deal with the, the boosters and all that and i was just like again i felt like such an idiot sometimes i'm like man how do i not know this and I, you just kind of have to step aside and and realize you're you're still in the beginning stages and that's how anything before you get good at anything you're you're probably bad so yeah um i feel now looking back i you know i probably could have handled that booster situation a little better but there's no way i could have done it when i was still learning so mm-hmm. i just don't beat yourself up when you feel like you don't know anything i think that that was a, a, a kind of a game changer for me at the beginning you'll always feel that way it'll definitely. change definitely you transitioned from pharmacy pharmacy student to pharmacist now as a practicing pharmacist how long would you say it took you to become a manager so i floated i was a, a floater uh, i passed my naplex and became a floater in like august okay and i became i was promoted to assistant pharmacy manager in december so about four months but that was that was that was rather quick i would yes. say that's that's not 
typical. I mean, sometimes based on need, you know, you may uh, you may be promoted quicker than that. And um, I know pharmacists who have been promoted quicker just because maybe they were going to a store that they were already at and they, they may be the good fit to, to, to go there. So again, you're almost being thrown into the fire a bit and you're having to learn a little faster than others. But um, it, it took me about four months to float around. And I, I also had made sure to let my supervisor know when I was finally getting my footing to let her know, Hey, I, I feel like I'm ready to be a manager. And so I think that that really helped me out. And I was mm. very transparent with her and um, she was a, a, another great, I had, I was su- surrounded by like great mentors, her, my supervisor, Becca, my um, pharmacy operation manager, Sean, like just talking to them and letting them know your interests and what you want to um, pursue and your end goals, they, they will likely support you and try to get you there. So I definitely made them aware that I was interested in becoming an assistant pharmacy manager. Um, not only was I promoted in four months, I was promoted to the number one volume store in our division. Um, so that was, wow. yeah, a, a little tough at first, again, trying to get used to that volume. We had a really big team there, um, which I think maybe dealing with the bigger team was the hard part because I had like about 17 to 19 texts between everyone. So oh, yeah, that's that a was, lot. Yeah. I've never heard. I think the most I've seen is maybe four or five at a store. Yeah, I had to manage a lot of people there. So that was tough. But again, I, I told my supervisor that I was interested in becoming a manager already and being able to, you know, one day become a DM. So she put me in that spot knowing that I was a better, I was a good fit there. So yeah, I, I made sure that when I was floating also, I, I didn't make sure, made sure not to leave any problems because you, you also want to make sure that you're not the floater that people don't like. So yeah, yeah um, I think that that, was something that maybe would delay someone from becoming a manager when I was floating. I just, my main goal was make sure there's no problems left behind. If I leave a problem, then they're going to remember me as the guy who left the problem. Um, So I try to resolve all the issues. And if I don't resolve it, make sure to leave a note for the, the, the pharmacist the next day. So I make sure that the pharmacist doesn't walk into a mess. That's, that was an end goal. So, and supervisors usually will reach out to the stores you floated at before promoting you and see, hey, how did this person do? Or they'll reach out to the techs you worked with and be like, hey, how was this person? Were they a good pharmacist? Did they have good flow? Did they deal with things well? Um, I found out when uh, during my eval with my supervisor that cert- like a very specific thing that I told a tech, I can't remember what it was, but I told them something very specific and she brought it up during my eval. I was like, wow, the, the only way she could have known that is if she mentioned, she talked to this one random tech after I worked and it was like miles away. It was, it was like in Palm coast and I was working in Jacksonville. So she oh, wow. specifically referenced a thing that I did during a when I was a pharmacist. So it's very much whatever you say and do is, mm-hmm. is always going to be noted, you know, like someone will notice it and you'll talk to some texts and they'll, they know all the floaters. Cause even though, you know, there's a big pool of them. They constantly send new floaters to new sort to the same store every day. So they can tell who's good, who's not, and they'll make sure to let the supervisor know. Um, so I'm, I was fortunate enough that I was one of the pharmacists yeah. they liked. Yeah. yeah. One of the good ones. And, yeah. and that's a great point that you're mentioning because a lot of times we think once we secure the job, we're good, but that's not always the case, especially when you're coming into that floater role. Right. That's that's still trial. It's like it's still practice. It's still it's preparing you. And yes, you're getting pharmacist pay, but the goal is still to go get 
that part-time or full-time gig. And this is really preparing you for that moment. So if you take it serious, you don't slack off, you're doing the responsibilities that you need. The bosses, the supervisors will come in and, and ask the techs and, and the pharmacist there, like, how was this person? Like you said, and that's a great point. Like you want to put your best foot forward. The job interview isn't done yet. It's kind of, I kind of feel the same way about residency. If you're a resident, yeah. like you want, I know it's a long year. I know it's tough. <laughs> I had to do it. But if you could put your best foot forward the entire year, you've basically secured yourself a job at the end of the year. They'll right. bring you on. If you do what you're supposed to do, you don't have any bad interactions. You try your best. Like they'll, they'll bring you on. And I kind of thinking about that. It's like the same thing with being a floater. Just got to make sure you're doing the best that you can and always keep putting your best foot forward. And sometimes it's sad, but like some, sometimes they won't really notice, Hey, you're doing your job on, you know, right. Every single day, mm-hmm. they'll notice that one day that you left a huge mess and they'll, yep. they'll remember that they'll remember yeah. the, the one day that you, uh, you know, just left everything behind and didn't leave any notes. So that's not the impression you want to leave. You know, I think that's great. That's like saying that you're still on interview. That's perfect. Like I, yeah. I felt like every day I was being watched almost, but <laughs> yeah, every day. Cause, cause that's the thing. It's who wants to really stay a floater. It's rare. Some people do, but most people want their own store and it's in order to get that, these are the steps you got to take. And until they can confirm that you are doing well at this level, you can't go to the next one. So that's something that's that's a great point. So really viewing that floater time period as a job interview and putting your best foot forward every single time to help you get um, into a role. And sometimes it's just circumstance, like you said, for yourself, um, different things are happening. So that kind of, it, it just happened for you. Um, and sometimes that'll happen with other people too. Some opportunities just come, you know, and it's not um, anything that you expected, but it is something that you desired and it's something I'm a big, big person when it comes to affirmations and putting into the universe, but you express that right to, right. to your mentors, to your supervisors. So they understood that this was something you wanted to do. An opportunity opened up and you did everything you had to do to secure it. And so how would you not get it? You know, so it's like it's it's almost like everything came full circle for you. And that's something that I hope people kind of walk away listening to this. It's like, hey, plant the seeds that will grow into the fruit that you want to bear later on, because that's exactly what you did. And so we kind of talked about some of the things that you believe set you apart. Right. Is there anything else um, outside of definitely uh, doing the best that you can when it comes to being a floater, uh, not leaving any messes? always putting your best foot forward, making sure to express it to your mentors. Um, Cause if a job opportunity opens up, I mean, you may not hear about it directly, but maybe um, one of your supervisors or, or one of your mentors that, you know, there might be an opening coming up and they might be able to put in a good word for you. Is there anything else that um, you believe kind of helped to set you apart from your peers? Yeah. I think that floaters sometimes walk in with the mentality of, Hey, I'm just here for the day. I'm the floater. I'm making sure that, the day goes by and uh, there's no problems and we get to go home. And then you get to, if there's any problem, you can see your pharmacy manager tomorrow. I kind of was, didn't want to approach it that way. I wanted to be very knowledgeable. I wanted to do what the pharmacist, the, the pharmacy manager was expected to do that day. So like if they had to do like some sort of inventory redistribution, like typically some floater will just set it for the pharmacist to do is like, Hey, that's not my job. They can take care of it tomorrow. Like I would try to get it done. Like 
because that's what if I was an assistant pharmacy manager that day, that's what I would be doing. So I would try to I, I really did it for practice. So it's like, hey, if I'm going to eventually be doing this, I need to know how to do it. Yeah. So let me at least try to do it now for the store. And I'm sure that the system pharmacy manager is going to walk in tomorrow and it's going to be like, wow, that's great. Or like, I don't have to do this now. It's, you know, it, it's very much appreciated. So I was knowledgeable of the things that were going on. Like it's some, it's something so basic, but reading the emails that they send out every day is like, Hey, this is our goal for the day. Um, some floors maybe don't even open up the email because, you know, again, they're just trying to get through the day. They just want to get yeah. the things done. I would read the emails and see like, Hey, this is the goal for the day. They want to push Shingrix or whatever it is that day. So I'm going to push Shingrix. Like I'm going to make sure that that's my number one goal. And then uh, it's not going to maybe be as a substitute teacher, easy day for some of these techs. So maybe that's yeah. uh, maybe not the best thing to leave an impression, but at the very least you are doing your best to do what the assistant pharmacy manager would do. And patients will uh, appreciate it because they're they're not having to wait till the next day to have their issues resolved like it's getting resolved right then and there and again maybe i'm not doing the exact same way that they would do it but i'm going to do it to my best of my ability of what my company publics would want so Mm -hmm. um, i think that that's something that really set myself apart having a mindset that this is not a day off this is another day in the pharmacy the same thing that the manager would be doing is what we're going to be doing the same thing whoever has that day off, whoever I'm filling in for, whatever they would do, that's what we're doing. It's not a day off. Like you said, I, I like the substitute teacher analogy. Hopefully they don't get mad at us. <laughs> substitute <laughs> teachers are great. Yeah, yeah um, they're good. They're good. They, yeah, we, they're we good. couldn't survive without them. Exactly. No, I had a couple awesome ones when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not like, oh, just substitute teachers here. All right, we're going to be class clowns today. We're not going to behave. Exactly. Well, we're going to have fun. We're going to throw the paper airplanes to each other, throw toss notes, all that. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let us have another day. Two hour lunches each. <laughs> yeah, have have two hour lunches. Like, no, it's not going to be that. It's yeah. going to be a typical day, um, a typical student life, a typical day in the pharmacy. Nothing's changing. And they won't notice that anything was off or anything like that because I'm going to try to my best ability to make sure it's it's a smooth day and everything's done properly. That's a great point. And then it's it's tough because it happened so quickly, right? So this this opportunity that came to you, did you feel like you had to say yes? Um, I mean, I was almost demand like I, I didn't demand it, but like I was like, hey, I if this person were to leave, I really want to go here because I think okay. that that would be the best spot for me to become a DM. Um I'll I'll be honest and I'll say that I I did not like floating very much. Um, okay. I'll say that it was the schedule was wonky and I felt like the biggest part of floating is at every pharmacy I would go to I would see like problems or issues or like hey I would do that differently and I as a floater I can't do anything about it so I'm having to just see these issues and then just go about my day and then you know, have that stuck in my head is like, I would, how would I change that? And that, that I would always think about these problems and how I would do it differently if I was running the show, like myself, like what exactly in that mm-hmm. moment would I would do? Um, and the store that I went to had, they were, they were great already, but they had room for improvement and how to do things and how to be more efficient. And I told uh, my supervisor that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help try to make this store better this already great store even better than it was um 
So I was able to float there a bit before I actually became assistant pharmacy manager. And I was already kind of getting ideas of, hey, I want to do this. Hey, I want to do that. And I had a great relationship with the partner, with my partner at that point. So she was very open to doing, making these changes. So I was like, yeah, I think you, you know what, I know you know what you're doing. Um, so let's try to do that. I was like, hey, I picked this up from this store. Let's try to do that. And I was able to already do what I've been wanting to do this entire time. Like these improvements are becoming a reality at that point. Yeah. So um, that was to me the biggest benefit of not being a floater again the schedule you can get around that again some people even prefer it like you mentioned um mm-hmm. but the schedule that was the biggest thing yeah yeah so the schedule like you you really wanted to get out of it but did you feel like you were ready for this um i i, I felt like i had the experience um okay. to, to to carry me um so i was able to lean on that a bit um since i was a tech and intern at, at the very least i had that to fall back and be able to reference things. If like a tech would give me a hard time about something, I can be like, Oh, well, no, I mean, I know from when I was a tech, this is how I would do it. So I can, I can handle that. So at the very least I knew I can lean on that, but yeah, I think there I was, I was ready to be, to take that next step to become a manager. Like, again, I don't think I was a manager at that point yet. Yeah. Like I definitely still had to learn. So but I was in the mindset to become a manager at that point. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm I'm ready to learn these leadership skills. Got it. And it also kind of seems like you may not have believed you were ready to be the manager, but you believed you were ready to take on the challenge right. of trying to become the manager. Like you're you're in the mindset that, hey, I know it's gonna be tough, but I have the confidence in my skills. I have the the peer group that I could fall back and rely on. I have the support from my mentors that I can reach out. So if things aren't going well, I have the resources that I could reach out to, to kind of assist me, or um, I'm confident that publics will do whatever possible to help me get comfortable within this position. Right. Yeah. And, and that falls back on what I was saying before is like, Hey, I, I know that at the beginning it's going to be tough. I might feel stupid, but I can, I know that I, I have the capability to, to, you know, excel. Um, mm-hmm. my supervisor very shortly after I became, uh, assistant pharmacy manager. So this is like in January, this is less than a month later. She asked me if I wanted to be the immunization ambassador for our district. Wow. So that's essentially like talking to going to these meetings every month and talking to the whole district about vaccines. And they would have reps come in and talk to us about the vaccine and uh, how we can promote it to everyone. And if we ever had a challenge, I would be the one kind of be motivating people to do the the immunizations and uh immediately i'm thinking oh gosh i'm i just became assistant pharmacy manager i have to balance that but i think i'm ready i feel like i I, i'm not going to be a great immunization ambassador now but i feel like i can get into the mindset of being able to do this and by the end of it i was i was i felt good i was good at it um i think i got a the a lot of people sent me appreciation like they were very appreciative of what i was doing for them providing so yeah, I, I think that just being able to be in the mindset of, hey, I can do this, mm-hmm. even though I'm not, I don't know I'm going to be great at it at first, that helped me um, jump into these roles that, you know, it's a step up. Yeah, definitely. And what what makes it interesting is that you mentioned imposter syndrome kind of holding you back. Like that was, that was one of the, the things you had to overcome from pharmacy student, pharmacy student to pharmacist. And 
I think that's one of the biggest things is we're stepping into shoes that we don't believe we could fill, right? But then you eventually came to that realization that you can. And once you did, that confidence has carried through to all these other positions that you have taken and will take in the future. Is there anything specific that you think kind of helped you get out of that imposter syndrome mindset? Because I, I, I feel like that's a big barrier that a lot of us have. Like even yeah. with me, when it comes to certain things, maybe with the podcast or other projects that I'm working on that it's like, oh, well, people really like this. Should I do this? Like, is, am I really this person that they say I am? Like, is, was there a book you read? Maybe like any, I don't know, a podcast, anything that you did? I mean, I think that the, the, the seed for overcoming imposter syndrome was planted in me, like maybe in the, even the beginning of pharmacy school. So mm. I think something that a lot of people who go into retail think they may not need to go into these organizations and adopt leadership roles or anything like that. Cause they're just going to do retail. They don't really need to buff up their CV or anything like that. I had so many a lot. Uh, e-board <laughs> positions, too many e-board positions. Way and too I, many. Yeah. And, and that's where I really started to realize, like, Oh my God, these people are relying on me to do these things. Like I'm the one making this call because I'm the membership vice president or whatever it is. So um, immediately I'm, thinking back to those times of when I, I had to make calls. And I felt like maybe once when I became a assistant pharmacy manager, I've, I've realized that I've already done this. I've already overcome imposter syndrome. That'd be my biggest recommendation to you is try to put yourself into leadership positions and try to learn how to overcome these things before it, I'm not going to say matters because I think what you do in pharmacy school does matter, but it's definitely a lot less stakes like once yeah. you have to be an assistant pharmacy manager and have to care about patients and other employees, it's definitely a lot the decisions you make are going to have hold a lot more weight. So it's almost like a trial run when you're in school and able to do these things. I was able to really start to learn how to overcome it. And I didn't even know, like, you know, I, I was yeah, doing these the things. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that that's what I was overcoming. Like, I, I guess, when I'm getting elected as a position, I'm like, Oh God, what have I gotten myself into? And by the end of it, I do great. So yeah. maybe that realization that I had accomplished all these things, even though I felt like I couldn't in the beginning, that really helped. So try to expose yourself to leadership positions or try to learn about how to overcome this imposter syndrome as early as you can. That way you're ready for it when I guess it, it's higher stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause one, you for sure were in like every single student organization. <laughs> Too many. Too many. <laughs> you had a leadership position, like every single one as well. Yeah. But that kind of, I, I always, I love the saying of like, be comfortable. You need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like you need right. to kind of step out of your shoes and always do different things. And you were always doing that. And that kind of, helped you when it comes to all right well you're gonna have a new position that you never had before but hey i've been doing this for the past four or five years what's yeah. new i'll figure it out like that's what i'm hearing is like hey i have the confidence that i'll just figure it out like i've figured out everything else why would anything change right. but those the confidence happened with a lot less you know lower stakes as you were saying um so that's something that i never viewed it that way when it when it comes to our student organizations but that's something too for anybody that's listening that's you know in your p1 p2 year definitely try to get some leadership positions all right yeah. get some maybe get three or four leaders leadership positions maybe if you only thought about having two, get like three or four and kind of 
put that pressure on you, help build those time management skills, help to become a leader in different aspects, have different positions and different roles within each organization. So you can kind of build your skills and traits to help you overcome um, any trials and tribulations you might face in the future. Yeah. And I love when you said being comfortable and the uncomfortable, like that's definitely something I, someone had told me that I can't even remember what it was. I think I read it somewhere. It's like trying to learn how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. So go into a cold shower, like every single morning, step into a freezing cold shower because you very easily can just turn it hot and then you're, you know, you're fine. But if you take the cold shower, apparently it would make you gain this skill of being comfortable and the uncomfortable. And I would do it and everyone would laugh at me because I would tell them, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking cold showers. And uh, I think people from pharmacy school might remember when I was saying that, but it, I think it might've helped. Like, yeah. you know, like I learned to be able to overcome that mind gap of, I can just take the easy route and just take a hot shower, or I can just, you know, lay back and not have to have this pressure, or I can put myself directly in that pressure right in the middle and mm-hmm. learn how to beat this. Yeah, no, definitely. We might have to get you to write a book soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh gosh! But more I'll pressure call the on cold you. shower. Cold shower or some. Yeah, yeah. Cold shower would be the title. Um, and then so with this new manager position, what were some of the new roles and responsibilities and like challenges you had to face that you didn't have to face before? Uh, so. I think that that I was kind of alluding to that from before is like yeah. being able to take what I'm learning and seeing issues and try to target those things and promote efficiency. Like to me right now, I I just recently moved to another pharmacy. Like that's my number one is how to be more efficient. Like people are doing things right, but how do I make what they're doing easier? Like by the time I left the store that I I was at, it almost kind of ran itself. Like I only ever had to do the specific pharmacy roles because everything else ran by itself. Like it, I didn't have to even worry about things getting done. Like I knew that the techs were doing it and they were doing it correctly. So it it was hard to do that at first because I'm super passionate about pharmacy, but not yeah. everyone is. So not like I, I'm going to try to do my best to show a person how exciting something is, but to them it's like, I mean, yeah, I guess this is a sick code makes it easier or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I just learned that you can type this and it, it makes everything so much faster. But I'm like, uh, I mean, how do I make it sound exciting? Yeah. Um, that was a, a bit of a hurdle, but uh, that's definitely to me, my number one role that I've adopted and I'm taking that into my new store. Um, and again, I, I think that, a lot of the time you can lean on your mentors to do that. Like they, if you show that you're on board with something and uh, if they show that they're on board with the same thing you are, then maybe, you know, you can kind of get like this colloquialism where everyone is on as, is, you know, excited about the same thing. So when I was immunization ambassador, I would tell Becca, Hey, I have this really good idea. I think this will really get people excited about, how to uh, give this vaccine or promote it. And she was very much like, Hey, yeah, go do it. Let's just do it. Like, see how it goes. And whenever I sent it out, she was, she backed me up with showing how excited, how great it was. Wow. People are actually doing it now. And numbers went up. Uh, so it was great. I think that having your mentors or people around you, like show that they're also excited may promote yeah. this, you know, passion that you have. Yeah. And, and that definitely helps when you have people that are passionate around you. It helps. And 
fortunately, it is a job, so not everybody will be passionate about it. But sometimes that passion can rub off on others. So definitely having a positive attitude, um, showing how passionate you are about the profession and the things that you're doing can definitely be a spark plug for some of the um, employees that work for you and work with you uh, to help do the best that they can. And I'm glad you mentioned something, too, about optimizing. And it's like I've, the more I'm working in pharmacy, the more I realize the importance of optimization, not only in medications, but also in the efficiency in how you work. So that's why you have all these protocols or that's why you have all these different um, standards that help to kind of make the process easier. And the more you can do that, the easier your job will be and the happier your entire staff will be. So definitely think about um, no matter what field in pharmacy you're doing, always try to think about how can I make things better? Elias literally told you guys every single time he was floating, he was like, all right, what can I do to make this store better? Okay, all these, I see things here. I would probably switch this. Would this work? Let's find out whenever I, I get a store. And it's like, you know, play with these scenarios in your mind and think about ways to make the pharmacy or the career that you're working in better. Even if it's not pharmacy and you happen to be working in something else, if you can optimize, make it more efficient, oh man, life will be just easier for oh, you. Yeah. Everybody else, you'll probably get a bonus <laughs> and you'll enjoy working even more. Yeah, let me tell you, like I said, I went in and we were filling like almost 700 items a day. And that day was easy, felt easier than what some of the days I worked when we only filled 200. You know, wow. it, it was just that optimized. And people can sometimes get complacent, you know, like they, yeah. they just, they learned this way. So why would I change it? It gets the job done. But I'm there to be like, hey, but it can be so much better. It, it, it literally can get to the point where you, can do the same task in a quarter of the time i understand that it works but it can be so much better and if they get on board with it then it's great uh if not then you're kind of stuck and you, yeah. like i said you can't change everyone so i i learned that real quick like as i said before not everyone's passionate and they don't really care if it's efficient so trying to get everyone on board on board it can be tough uh, yeah can be tough definitely okay and then you mentioned that you switched stores recently um, if you don't mind sharing, what was the reason for that? Um, because I'm, I'm not the retail guy. I, <laughs> I, I don't know all this retail stuff, but I would assume, you know, if you built something up, you would want to kind of stay there. Um, you know, like you said, it's running so efficient. Everything's good. Easy peasy. I'm sipping my coffee. We're good. Yeah. Everybody's smiling. We know what hey, to do. We're that, it's an assembly was... line. Everything's going great. That was a dream. And, and I, I was really bittersweet to have to leave my original store. Yeah. Um, I'll say that there are times where you don't really get the choice of whether okay. you get moved. Um, I moved from assistant pharmacy manager to assistant pharmacy manager. So because it was a move of necessity, they, were, they say, hey, um, we really need you here. We're going to swap you. So I'm like, OK, and th that's fine because I understand the the need for it and, you know, things happen like that. I was very sad to leave, but I was excited for the new part of my journey. And I figured it. my farm, my pharmacy supervisor, my pharmacy operation manager, they both know my interests. They know, both know that what I ultimately want, my end goal. Mm -hmm. um, so they're gonna, they're not gonna take me off that path. And I feel like they're helping me to get to that end goal. And if moving to this store is gonna help me to get there, then let's do it. I'm, I'm going to take this move and be excited about it. Um, 
you're not going to have that same relationship with every um, supervisor you may have or a pharmacy operations manager who's, you know, the next step above. But yeah. I think that putting yourself in a position where you can have that relationship is key. And that's one of the main reasons why I don't even want to leave Jacksonville, leave my district. Like it's, I have such a great relationship with them and I feel like they do have my best interest in mind. So it, it is sad. And mm-hmm. I, I really didn't want to leave um, what I had built there, but I think that there's a lot more to gain for what I can build at this new store. Like do what I just did at this old store and do it at this new store. You also don't know if the next opportunity that's going to come up is better or worse. So you, mm-hmm. you got to realize what's better for you now. Is it to keep your growth going or stay complacent? So if given the choice, I think that you should do what you can to continue to grow. People stay happy in their spot, but for me, at least I always, I wanted to keep going up. Yeah. And it sounds, you know, just listening to you talking, I know you personally, so I know how you are, <laughs> but if I didn't, I could just, from the things I hear you saying, you definitely have a growth mindset, Yeah, you know, and when you have that type of mindset, you kind of just don't stay in the comfortable seat for too long. You know, you kind of seek a new challenge, a new hurdle to overcome. And with that, you know how much growth can come and, and with that growth, how much better of a person, leader, et cetera, that you could be. And with that will come so much growth. And through that growth will probably come so many more opportunities that you probably wouldn't have had if you just stayed at the same store. Yeah. So. And I mean, I, I was talking to my pharmacy operations manager, Sean, about it. I was like, hey, yeah, I do want to be a DM one day, a district manager. And he goes and he says, why stop there? You know, so and now, now immediately now I'm getting these thoughts in my head. I'm like, oh, great. Now I guess I might be <laughs> maybe my, my goal is to be a pharmacy operations manager. Maybe I will get I feel too comfortable being a DM one day and yeah. want to keep going up. And if something opens up, then maybe I will be a pharmacy operations manager and maybe I can even go up and I can be the, um, you know, vice president of pharmacy for Publix one day. That's the very mm-hmm. top. Like that's that's Mr. Dane Rusk. I've never met him, but that that's the that's the top yeah. of the top for Publix pharmacy. So maybe yeah. I'll be that guy one day. That is a great quote. Why stop there? Why are we limiting ourselves? Yeah. Possibilities are endless. So why just stop at, you know, being a district manager? Why not go all the way to the top? Yeah. And maybe people have that negative view of retail and think that, hey, yeah, the top is just being a pharmacy manager, being the pharmacist in charge. But there's so much more room of where you can do. You can you can lead so much more people. You can continue to grow and grow and grow and do so much different things. It's not just Mm -hmm. counting pills and dispensing it like there's so much more, I think. Um, And I always think back to what one of my preceptors told me, Jenna, and I said, yeah, even though I'm not going into clinical, uh, she stopped me right there and said, you know, you're not, you're, you are in clinical, you're doing pharmacy. So it's, it's always going to be pharmacy. There's always things that you can do and learn and continue to take as pharmacy changes and and continue to go up. So even if there, don't look down at retail because it's just that like there it's still pharmacy and there's still so much more you can do with what you learned already. Definitely. Definitely. And no matter what, we're all clinical pharmacists. So it's like that clinical knowledge. um, You know, if, if you were to take someone that works in a hospital and you throw them into specialty, they probably don't know anything. Right. Yeah. Right. But I would still consider a specialty pharmacist, a clinical pharmacist because they're knowledgeable about what they know. 
Same thing with a retail pharmacist. They're still knowledgeable because they're still counseling. You right. might have forgotten some of the small patient counseling tips that you would have to give um, if you work in the hospital um, for too long versus being in retail. So it's like we, we're all still clinical pharmacists, and I completely agree uh, with your mentor there because I, I hate when people act like retail pharmacists aren't. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's disrespecting our colleagues for no reason. It's like they're clinical pharmacists as well. Yeah, we all have it, the same it, degree. We pass the same tests, the same licenses. Right. And I mean, I think, it, to, like you said, it, to an extent that it's true, use it or lose it. But like, I think Justin, one of our buddies, Justin, he asked me, he's yeah. like, uh, we, we were hanging out and he was like, we just out of nowhere. He's like, hey, what's the dosing for uh, a DVT with Lovenox? Like out of nowhere. I'm like, I bet everyone in hospital know that right off the top of their yeah. head. I'm like, uh, yeah, I literally am a year removed. I got to think about it. And I got it. It's yeah. one milligram per kilogram every yeah. 12 hours, right? Something yeah. Like that. yeah. 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 So like, still I got still, it, baby. You still got it. I still got it. I still got it. In there. <laughs> I but, can never uh, leave you. You'd be surprised how much you know. You know, it's in there somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Use it or lose it. Is it's, it's true to some extent, but I I think that you know more than you know. Yeah, yeah. People underestimate how much they know, and and also underestimate yeah. how much they remember. Um, if if they give themselves um some time to maybe think about it, they will realize, oh, I do know this answer, yeah. and and that's okay. And that's okay. And I always tell tell people quick advice. You don't have to know everything as a pharmacist. I don't right, know everything. Right. You just have to know how to find the answer. That's it. Exactly. If you know how to find the answer, exactly. then you're good. But if you don't know, that's when it becomes problematic. But you <laughs> right. know, if, if you can use your resources, whether it's a Lexicomp, ClinFarm, up to date, Google Scholar, the guidelines, colleagues, uh, if you still have your RX prep book, whatever. Yeah, if I you got can all find, that stuff still, yeah. yeah, if you can find something that gives you the answer that you need, that's what really matters because it does not have to come off the top of your head. Right. Um, and then for my last question for you, just kind of make everything go full circle here. If you could look back and give yourself any advice during your time in pharmacy school, what would it be and why? So I think I can break it down into like three little categories. Um, and this is the first advice I give to all my interns. Like even the first years, very first thing I tell them is it doesn't have to be this year's most recent, but get an RX prep book. Like it, when I was studying for the Naplex, I almost cried of all the time lost. I would have saved had I had RX prep just to have like a just quick little reference to go back to right before an exam or a quiz. That thing was so helpful and it helped me throughout all my rotations. And maybe you can get the most up-to-date one when it's time to take your Naplex. But that's definitely the one thing I'm yeah. screaming at my past self is like get the RX prep book as soon as you can. And you can probably get like an old one for uh, like cheap or have a handed down. That was definitely my most important thing that I would look back on. Um, and I guess in terms of career advice, it's taking all the opportunity that you can um, you know, if a internship opens up, take it. Like oh, I was in my second year and I was already very happily in retail world, but a position opened up at the hospital so I can become a hospital technician, a uh, hospital intern. And I was like, let me take that chance. I want to be able to maybe learn what that is. And I, I took that opportunity. I, I didn't get it, but Hey, I, I took the opportunity to do that. And when I was, also in retail, I was able to take a bunch of different opportunities that helped me stand out. So even if I can fit into my schedule and it's something unique or different, I, I went there and I did it. I worked at the children's hospital. That's something I was able to learn and able to call back on 
I helped reset stores because they was like, hey, I need an intern to help reset this store. Uh, they got their queues all backed up and they need you to come in at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. I'm like, that's my jam. I'll, I'll do it. Let's go it. And they'll remember me for it. So, yeah. you know, don't miss out on those opportunities. Like, take them. They're, if they're unique, I think that it's worth a shot. And this was probably the thing that I would give myself. This is the most important one is to not take that time for granted. Um, we were talking about our classmates before and you have no idea how much I miss all of those people. Um, yeah. Really like it, when we're all there, um, it, it, it was one of the, it was a magical time. I'd say yeah. uh, being able to hang out and see each other. And now we're all pharmacists and doing our own thing. It's pretty hard to keep up. Like you'll, you'll, we all said that we'll try to keep up, but uh, it, it's That's hard. Tough. Yeah. yeah. Like even you and me, we, we yeah, went trying yeah. to, trying to hang out and it's, it's so tough. Yeah, um, and it's, it's tough. Trust me. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And, and right now is the best time you'll ever have the chance to do that. So don't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, that's all I, I have to say is, you know, you'll remember these times forever. Some of, I think to me, in my mind, it's some of the best four years of my life. Elias, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. It was it's a blast. Been like four years. I know. <laughs> I'm trying I know. to get you off for like four years. I know. Uh, it, it was, it was worth it. I, I'm, I'm happy I, I put out there, you know, my experience and I hope yeah. people take, take a, a lot from it. You know, I, I don't want everyone to just think retail is just the, that, side job it's great you can be passionate about it i I really hope people hear this and and reconsider or you know get a lot in appreciation for retail pharmacy yep definitely i hope so too and for anybody that's listening that wants to reach out to you what would be the best way for them to contact you i'm gonna be straight up and tell you i am so bad with my linkedin messages but i am gonna be so much better i i know (laughs) I know you owe, it, left... you owe it to my audience to be better, Elias. Yes, if I, I get will. some messages that you're not responding, it, I'm gonna hunt you down. Look, I for the for the greater good of the future, I will be better uh, on LinkedIn. I will respond the greater to greater good messages. of the future. This guy's yeah. gonna be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna be on the Florida Board of Pharmacy. Oh my gosh, for the greater oh good. <laughs> for the greater good. I don't know where I got that from, but hey, yeah. I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer them there. <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the best way, I'll say. LinkedIn. All right. So go to LinkedIn. Um, Elias Nazario, just type in his name. It'll be spelled out in the show notes. So you can just search for him there. If he doesn't respond, give him two weeks. If he doesn't respond, <laughs> you message me and I'll make him uh, respond. He'll, he'll, he'll come for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll come for you. I'll call you. I'll give you like, I'll leave you five voicemails if you don't pick up. I'll, yeah. I'll hit up Larissa and find out where y'all <laughs> oh, live. Oh, that, that'll be the way. That's, that's the real way. <laughs> exactly. So. So uh, I'll make sure he responds if you want to get in touch with him. Um, Elias, thank you so much. So glad we're finally able to do this. Um, Once again, everybody listening, if you want to get in contact with him, just do it on LinkedIn. For for the people that I interview, I always give them an opportunity to ask me a question. So is there anything you want to ask me at this time? Putting me on the hot spot after you've been... uh... Hot spot. Uh, So I guess, I mean... Shoot, I was going to ask you, I got to ask you like a retail-based question. So okay. if you were to, I mean, I guess, what's your idea, reputation, like what, what reputation does Publix Pharmacy have? I know you worked, you had the same rotation as me. We had Public Specialty Pharmacy. Shout yes. out to that team out there. They were yeah, all yeah. a bunch of ballers and I, I yes, miss them as yes. well. But what's yeah, your... I, I should have kept in touch with them. I think it was like Chris, Brad, Samantha, uh, Sam. 
Sam. Yeah, Sam. Um, oh, yeah, awesome team out there. Yeah, great. Uh, what's your reputation? Like, what's when you think of Publix Pharmacy, what's your reputation of that? I would say they are the most desired right next to like Sam's Club. I feel like I hear Sam's Club too. Like, Publix yeah, and yeah. Sam's Club, I hear they're they treat their employees well. It's not about the numbers. Um, of course it's always about the numbers because it's a business, right. but it doesn't feel that way that it's always about the numbers. Like I hear with a CVS or a Walgreens. Um, and of course me being a finance guy, always into business, uh, you know, you get, you get some of the stock, um, uh, when working yeah, for public. So that's always, that's always a big, um, big plus, but yeah, I, ju- I just hear great things. I've never heard somebody say a bad thing about Publix or Sam's club never hey, hey, that's that's what i like to hear that you know hearing good things about Publix, you know that's where people want to be yeah. um they they very much promote people being owners so not only in owners of the stock but you know owners of the pride their pride in public yeah. so that's definitely like I, I think you're you're right on right on the money right on the money yeah. of what what we at least we're the message we're trying to promote for everyone to, yes. to see yeah and it's and it's one of those I'll I'll add this too. Whenever people say if you're going to do retail, I feel like they always say do Publix. Yeah. yeah. Some people that don't know about Sam's Club won't say it, but some people who have worked there and have some experience will be like, "Oh, Sam's Club is kind of like a Publix." But a lot of people will be like, "Work at Publix." Like, if you don't get Publix, don't do retail. <laughs> like I've heard people say that. Hey, look, um, I can speak to Publix. I I, I don't know about yeah. the other guys at the other yeah, place. Not disrespecting I... the other guys. Don't hate me, please. Uh, <laughs> CBS Walgreens. Um, I am always open for business with anybody who wants to do business with hey, me. There you go. There I'm you political go. now. Yeah, uh, now you're joining me on the politi- politics. Yes, side. yes. For the greater good of pharmacy, I would never disrespect <laughs> the other retail pharmacies <laughs> for the greater good. But just from what I've heard, to be uh, completely honest, transparent, it seems like Publix and Sam's Club are at the top. That's what I like to hear, man. Yeah. Any any other questions for me? I think that's that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Perfect. Well, thank you again, E. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Uh, his name will be in the show notes. So if you want to check out Dr. Elias Nazario, go follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, check out um, all the awesome stuff that he posts. He's always accomplishing something new. So if you need motivation, <laughs> okay, you don't have to I go to Instagram. To yeah, I try to you... be motivational in the comments too. Like I'm exactly. trying to be like, hey, look, you we can all do this. We can all I've, I've noticed. I've noticed. Uh that's why I'm like, oh wow, you're really you're I see what you're trying to do. We'll talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off air. But um, you know, if you need a little bit of motivation, it's a tough Monday, tough start to the week. Just go look at Elias's page. It makes you feel like anything is possible. 